Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cut podcast. This week, we have the lovely Cahill, who lives up in Loch Gur, to talk to us about his work around Loch Gur, his connection to nature, his work as a coach, and yeah, whatever is going on in his life. So welcome, Cahill. How are you doing today? Hey, Kate. I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. How have you been enjoying the last months during the summer solstice and all of that? Yeah, they've been sweet. Um, I was up, up around Loch Gur for the solstice, which is lovely. There's probably about 100 people, actually, uh, that gathered for, for the solstice uh, in the morning. So it was nice. It's kind of for first time... I've spent a lot of solstice and equinoxes around the place, but more kind of maybe the day after, day before kind of thing, just doing my own thing. But I was actually up there for um, the day of the solstice this year and kind of just in around the place and it's a beautiful group of people. It's lovely, kind of lovely sunrise. And um, and like that, I've just been enjoying enjoying the sun, enjoying the weather. It's a busy time of year for me. Um, a lot of things going on in my world from... Kind of March, March until October, and then it kind of quietens down then for the winter again. But so it's been fun. It's been really cool um, to to be getting out and, and meeting people and uh, gathering like that. Mm. And it's like that thing of the speed kind of comes along. Just it just comes along, and you're all, it's like winter's so slow, and then all of a sudden you're in speed. Um, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's fast. It's very fast and it, it comes around pretty quick, but there's always a kind of a little bit of a false start around springtime for me anyway. I'm kind of really, really anticipating getting out there and going. And um, I think because the nature of my work with, with hurling teams and that we kind of start training around end of January, February. And there is that initial like excitement to getting back out into the field and to the gym and all that. And then it can almost get ahead of yourself a little bit and want to get out into summer mode. Um, but it's it's the last number of years have been teaching me like just patience, patience, wait, really wait until summer does kick in um, to uh, to really go high energy and, and full energy with with the hurling and with work and tour guiding and and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it has it's been interesting for the last maybe handful of years, four, five or six years. Really like walking with the seasons, really diving deep into the seasons. Like when it's autumn, be fully in autumn, when it's winter, be fully in winter. Allow yourself to hibernate and and be still and regenerate and, and rest and you know, don't do much. Um and then when you're in summer, like be fully in summer, be active, be out, be be meeting people, and uh, it's taught a great deal, especially living around Locker. Um, get a really big sense of the changing seasons around here and, and the different um, different energies, but the different light and uh, sounds and everything like that uh, around the lake. Um, it's pretty sweet. Wow. And would you feel like around the lake, you know, obviously there's a different energy. I spend a lot of time at the ocean. Then when I go mm. to lakes, I feel a little bit different. How mm. does that feel for you? Like ocean versus lake? 
Yeah, I love both. I love water, just in general. I'm very much a water kind of person. Um, and I'll, I'll swim in, in the lake um, through kind of autumn, winter time. But I love getting down to the sea and getting into salt water. Um, that's really big for me as well. More during the summer um, kind of thing. But it, it's made like spend a weekend in the sea and just come out and you feel totally refreshed, totally renewed. Um, the lake is a bit more... A bit more contemplative it's a bit more uh it's definitely colder uh than the sea but it's um it's not as as wild as as the as the as the sea um and at times there when you walk around the lake and it's it's like glass it's like glass and it's really soft it's really gentle there's swans on the lake there's mist there's all sorts going on it's it's such great character around there um and then some other days it could be windy and there's waves on the lake and it's it's pretty choppy and and that so you do get both um stillness and motion and, and movement uh on it so it's lovely to see that reflected in you it's like all right am i am i feeling the stillness am i allowing myself to be in this more gentle um energy or when, and when it's the other end, am I am I feeling uh restless or high energy and uh and whatnot? Uh so it's a lovely, it's a beautiful place to go and contemplate and reflect and and, and walk. Mm, definitely. And I was listening to Eastkey Britain the other day. She was saying every second breath is from the ocean. I love that. Mm. Like gratitude to the ocean you know like yeah mm. and also like the thing of like you know when you're in a lake well if you can see the periphery or like it's kind of contained whereas the, you look to the ocean and you're like uh, where does this end it's just so vast yeah mm. yeah and, definitely and there is that um it's a the more spacious energy by the sea and the wildness and the the immensity of it, the, the power of it, um, that when you allow yourself to go into it, it can overwhelm you. It, it can overwhelm your senses at times, but it's um, it's 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 quite amazing to be able to do that and and feel into that uh, sense of power and and that the the cycles of of the sea and the the you know the movement of the tides and the movement of the waves and all that and see how that's reflected in in ourselves as well um but it, they're definitely different and same with like say rivers and streams it does bring another um element into uh water and its life cycle and its uh, amazing beauty and and energy that it holds and some of the, a lot of your work would take place outside or inside too? Um, a little bit of both. Primarily around this time of year, it's outside on the field and um, maybe a little bit of tour guiding as well. I've shown people around uh, Locker and different places around Munster. So that's all outside. And then inside then, any kind of gym work, any one-to-one coaching I do over Zoom with people um 
so it's a nice it's a nice balance it's, it's a nice mix uh, I love being outside this time of year and getting the feet in the soil and uh, the wind in the hair and stuff and um, yeah it was beautiful I was, I was showing some of the air and black air yesterday and we'd um, you know we're blasted with rain blasted with wind blasted with sunshine all different you know all all three things and it was it was an amazing two or three hours that we spent um out there and then yesterday evening i was uh up and awfully with the hurling team that i work with and outside for two and a half three hours with them and um so it's lovely it's a lovely mix i love that um uh, being able to you know have an outdoor office and uh and pick and choose yeah I remember like years ago, I was like a bit like lost and like, oh, what am I going to do with myself? You know, like I need to do something and it needs to be outside. Mm. And I rang up a guy and he was some environmental activist, I don't know, outside and outdoor person work. And he totally like limited me and was like, oh, you know, it's very hard. And yeah, and most people won't make outdoor work. And I was like, oh totally dull my vibe but like it actually made me then want to do it you know I was like no I'm gonna make this happen now and awesome. sometimes sometimes it's funny and maybe you know that as a coach sometimes we can do the positive encouragement sometimes people do negative and it makes you because like even this morning we were playing tennis and my friend was like right six love to me now and we hadn't even started and I was like oh no <laughs> and I actually beat her in the end she's like oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> it's like sometimes you can negatively like yeah. impact somebody and then they go the other way you know yeah yeah all depends on their character you know if there's somebody who's <laughs> who you know who wants to prove something and and show you know you know show another person person up or whatever and buy uh, <laughs> them you know and, and uh, prove them wrong definitely it can work yeah it can work um and you know you look at so many so many inspiring stories a lot of them had moments of that like that you know where people said they wouldn't mount anything or you couldn't do that or you can't do this and you know they're just like watch me you know watch me and yeah. and that's an amazing you know uh thing to be able to do uh instead of being being discouraged and accepting that other person's whatever they said uh yeah. you know uh, for sure yeah 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 so much of society there's that can't attitude and people believe it don't they yeah mm. you know mm -hmm. um and going up to Offaly then that's quite a spin is it or it's a little bit yeah just over the hour oh, uh it's very close yeah. uh so it's not too bad it's not too bad i'm there maybe three days a week uh painting and matches and stuff uh, so yeah, that's it's nice. I've been around the country. I've been in Kilkenny, Tipperary, Limerick with teams um, for the last six or seven years. Um, and so yeah, I love it. I really enjoy it. Don't mind, don't mind travel. Don't mind the um, the spin. And it's I, it's a big commitment for the year. You're looking after for 30, 40 guys for eight or nine months of the year um and but it's 
that's that journey from start to finish is is quite special you know when you when you see start to see the work paying off and their the effort they put in week in week out um and start getting results and and um you know going far in the competition and all that whether you know they win or not towards the end as long as they're they're improving as people and and as players and as athletes um that's that's what really lights me up about it you know and but but being involved in that team environment and dynamic and work with other coaches and um it's yeah it's exciting it's really really exciting uh there's a lot to it there's a lot in it um but uh so yeah we've championship first round of championship kind of next week happening and and that'll continue all the way through the summer and you know everybody knows how big hurling championship is uh so it's been a big deal yeah and and is it like physical and mental coaching or what does encompass it's primarily physical um with the teams and with the hurlers um, that's what I studied in college. I studied strength and conditioning uh, in college and did a stint in America for a summer, did an internship over there and was working with a really prominent high sports performance coach and for a couple of years and came back then and started just working with hurling teams. Um, my own GA club, kind of they approached me and saying, look, we want to put in a gym. Um you can pick out the equipment we're going to build it and you can look after it and so that's been really cool to have for the last i think five years um and just be experimenting and, and toying around and coaching people and seeing what works seeing what doesn't work and um and a lot of it's as i said in, in the physical exercise gym work um on field conditioning sprinting speed and agility development and then there is an, there is the element of of mental performance and, and psychology that does you know it, you do have the opportunity to weave to weave it in at times uh and to you know impart things that you've learned through my own training to my own exploration and and study and um and whatnot um probably my favorite um group to bring that in with it be more kind of the younger younger players and um younger athletes is naturally they're a bit more receptive and, and coachable than, than people who've been um playing for 10 15 years it's not to say none of them are some of them are very very fascinated very interested in in the the mindset coaching and personal development side of things um but the yeah the younger athletes like the moment I'm what I'm seeing is they just can't get enough of of both the gym sport the um the the more insight uh focused uh stuff and uh, they really do take it on board and and put it into practice and you see the the change whether it's you know increasing confidence increasing focus increasing attention and energy that over time and um and also obviously increase in in uh in physical markers strength um strength size hypertrophy speed conditioning it, it does it does uh 
does come back and it is really really rewarding uh to see to see them grow to see them change and um with a, you know my own team like i grew up with them and we've the next kind of cohort coming up as well we've um a lot of underage players join who will join the adult team next year they're kind of eight or nine of them and we did two three months with them in the gym this year and that was that was a lot of fun a lot of fun and just to see them learning the ropes of the gym and getting all the technique right and learning how to work as a group within the gym and in the gym setting and um different values uh that i coach and that i teach and uh instill in them and then see that um coming onto the field to the train hurling with us uh and they will then next year on be playing with us as well so that that's going to be fun and that's really really exciting for for me as a coach and as a player to 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 be doing that yeah and how old are the younger ones um from 15 to 18 and then in the adult team then it goes from 17 18 till 35 36 um so you get a nice range and mix um of people that you're working with and uh, all different kinds of characters and personalities and um so it's fun yeah it's a really good environment to work with and it's it's um uh yeah i learn something every every day with the with them so um and yeah one or two things were coming up there for me. Would you feel like, say, you've studied strength and conditioning? And mm. like, was that because you were interested in fitness or like how did that draw you in? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, interested in fitness from like the age of 14 onwards. I was. Was big in sport. Um, grew up playing hurling and golf was big. Uh, is a big um pastime. Um, my family are kind of big into hurling and and golf and there was definitely the <clears throat> there was definitely the kind of more superficial aspect of fitness of you know wanting to uh grow bigger muscles and all that kind of stuff. And the high performance aspect of training for sport and and that and that was really it's only becoming new like it's a really recent thing in ireland um in the last two or three decades kind of thing um and so initially it was that and i was kind of looking at oh i want to do kind of physiotherapy some kind of form of work with people and um i ended up being the strength and conditioning I ended up being in the first class in Carlo um, of strength and conditioning. And um, it was fantastic. I learned a lot more about, you know, anatomy, physiology, the basics of the human body, biomechanics, um, physics, learning how to lift, um, program design, all that kind of stuff. And then like my own journey in fitness just kept getting deeper and deeper. And 
learning through injuries, how to recover from injuries, um, learning nutrition and experimenting with nutrition and work with different coaches. It became a matter of health and longevity. And I kind of soon realized that um, part of this uh, kind of shift in, in in medicine and health that we're kind of experiencing and going through this kind of radical overhaul of of kind of Western medicine merging with holistic medicine and and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that my one of the inspiring moments or catalyst catalytic moments in my life was um, my father having to go for open heart surgery around the time when I was 14. And that's a big moment in it's a big time in, in any young guy's life anyway, um, with the with the change and transformation that's happening. And I realized that I was my motivation was I never wanted that to happen to me. I never wanted to ex- have to experience that. And that was my kind of initial introduction into health and longevity and wanting to understand um, why stuff like that was happening. And, you know, cardiovascular disease and and heart um, issues uh, are one of the biggest killers in the world. Um, so wanting to understand the deeper um correspondences between that of, of kind of why uh why that was happening really drove me uh through through college and the physical is a huge part of it but then it became very much about the psychology and the mindset and then even deeper into the more emotional and spiritual um realms for me as as I progressed through through college and, and after. And and that's kind of defined, I suppose, the last six or seven years for me is is that seeking and wanting to wanting to understand of those deeper realms and, and aspects of of the body and of the bodies. Um and and that. So um yeah there's a little bit more we can we can chat and dig into uh around that and around uh, the importance of that time in young guys lives and and so forth um but is there anything else you said two kind of things popping out um, <clears throat> just around strength as well like my male anatomy versus female mm-hmm. like you know we had all this feminism come up and saying women are as strong as men but like I mean I'm on a farm and I see how men lift things like <laughs> I mean can you give us a load of <laughs> because I'd love to know more you know yeah um more in terms of in like in do, my- does the male hold more muscle and have a stronger ability to lift heavier you know what do you yes. think yeah yeah um the that's not to say women can't be strong you know but the strongest women will be similar strength to maybe like the average 
men or just a slightly above average men. And the strongest men will be a lot stronger than the strongest women. Um, and the, the potential for kind of absolute strength um, would be greater. Um, so there's like two ways to measure strength. One is absolute strength, which is um, kind of your one round max, say for deadlifting or squatting 200 kilos or 300 kilos. That would be considered your absolute number. But then there's relative strength. So you divide that by your body weight and that kind of gives you a relative figure. So if somebody's saying squatting 200 kilos at 100 kg, it's a relative strength of two. Whereas somebody squatting the same 200 kilos at um, 75 or say 210 kilos at, at 70 to make it easier, that'd be relative strength at, of three. Um, so that would deem that lighter person stronger than the heavier person, so to speak, if that makes sense. So because men naturally carry more um, muscle mass, muscle, um, and are naturally bigger in stature, um, they're typically typically stronger than, than women, but that doesn't mean women can't train and and, yeah. and grow strong and uh, develop that aspect, yeah. 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 And like anytime I want to understand something and like, you know, with so much conditioning, like I just like step back and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look at the bees just to figure this out. Mm. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. And then I look at the bees and I look at the male and I'm like, oh my God, he's so huge, like massive, really mm. like actually like looks kind of fat like compared to the female bee and like massive eyes and massive thorax and um different um but then like all the females do the work so that's hilarious you know <laughs> and like the females are all out pollinating and collecting the food it's just a funny and amazing environment to witness you know um, yeah it's it's um because I've I've coached ladies football teams and 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 that and uh, worked with women before and like they're you're strong definitely you're very very strong and the the potential to to develop that is is one hundred percent there. Um, I've had women as I said being able to lift more than some of the guys I work with, uh, and that's like you're always going to find that. But I think the the um, the majority is going to favor the other side. Um, and, and you see that, you know, it's, it's, it's like that for a couple of things, you know, men are traditionally the protectors, the providers, the warriors, the, you know, they held the boundary and they protected the tribe. And um, just a couple of things are are coming in. So I recently I recently started stone lifting, and um, and kind of researching that part, like the ancient history of strength. Uh, and stone lifting was a huge tradition in Ireland and Scotland, Iceland, and down into Spain and and that and. Up in Iceland, they're called manhood stones. But Iceland, like fishermen would have to lift, be able to lift a certain 
weight of stone in order to get a job, say, on a fishing ship or as a farmer or something like that. And the heavier the stone he was able to lift, the more food he actually got and payment he got. So it was his in his motivation to be as strong and as big as possible so he could feed his family, you know, and and the women were naturally the the homemakers and the caregivers at home and raising the kids and the incredible um work and job around that and the the beauty of that. And that was a lot more distinct in in times past. And we've had a, a kind of blending of, of those two uh, in the last maybe 50, 60 years. You know, a lot of those roles have switched and changed. But traditionally, that was how society ordered itself and how private culture ordered itself. You know, the men were protectors and providers and went out, did all the dangerous stuff, and the women stayed at home and took care of her family and the kids and the home and uh the food and the the medicine and the healing and all that kind of stuff yeah it's definitely um changing and then reversing also now i'm seeing a lot of people actually going back to their roles because it doesn't feel right you know yeah you know it's mad we're like let's let's try it out let's just (laughs) do everything a man does and let's see how it feels and then you're like oh i'm actually burnt out (laughs) you know yeah yeah you know there's uh yeah it's a it's a hot debate you know it's a hot topic and you know women were have been so encouraged to you know go out there into the workforce and create careers for themselves and you know be the man and and now we're seeing the reverse of men you know uh pretending to be women and all this kind of stuff and and (laughs) it's it's mad when you really start to dig into it and and but as you said we're kind of swinging back the other side of the pendulum and kind of realizing that okay there is a natural order to all of this and there are um like natural biological urges and tendencies for both sexes to men protect and provide and create and build and then women to um nurture and nourish and 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 heal and create in different ways you know um and so it's yeah it's funny to 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 watch it all kind of playing out and and happen but yeah. yeah, we'll get to homeostasis eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's kind of, yeah, and I feel like the energy, you know, I've talked, I don't know, I was listening to some podcast and this guy, actually it was Jay Shetty, you know, mm-hmm. that guy, his podcast, he was talking about his wife and he was saying in the morning, like he gets up and he's like on his mission, he's to get out the door, do his thing. And she's there and she's just like, yeah, totally in flow. And he, at the start, he was like, I just don't get what's going on here. Like, you know, but obviously he was trying to understand her and um, totally different um, way of being, you know, and it's like, 
we're so conditioned to achieve and go out and da, da, da. and like I find even myself now like you know obviously I used to drive out to work all the time before and now like I actually just love going out and I go to the chicken shed and I just pick up the chickens and I'm just like I just love like rubbing them and nurturing them and I'm like that's obviously that motherly archetype you know because that was conditioned out of me and now I'm allowing it to come in and I'm like I actually get so much out of it you know or taking care of the plants and making sure they're alive or taking care of the bees and I'm like you know like nature doesn't create us this way for no reason you know it's like if you keep fulfilling your those natural tendencies like the actually better you feel you know mm-hmm. you're not looking after anything on yourself like that's a recipe for disaster isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah a natural tendency is to be you know in community and in tribe and um have specific roles and what was what was that transition like for you i mean you were in corporate and Esca- I don't know, escaping that uh, but moving away from that and turning yeah. back to the wild yeah it was it was like I knew I had to do it like I knew I had to try it hmm. um, it's kind of like you know the way society went from urban or rural to urban that draw that's what happened to me I was like you know I've done the whole rural thing you know I know what it is let me try the whole urban thing. Mm. And initially I had gone into Brussels and then I had gone into Paris. And then I was like living these lives that, you know, I was tasting them. But I always had that. I always felt different, you know. And uh, people just think me I was funny. Like, they'd be like, you're weird. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I'm normal. <laughs> and I always used to get that, you know. And then they say, don't change who you are, though. and um then I did the whole corporate thing and I just knew it wasn't for me but I knew I had to try it you know right as a little lesson and just see how the business world was and I knew long term it would benefit you know because even to this day the corporates that I worked in I use their I use the knowledge I learned or you know like we had great speakers in and I got a lot out of it um, and at the time as well, I wasn't even speaking English. Like I was using my languages, which, you know, for me as well, like when a priority, one of my priorities is like mental well-being. So I know by speaking another language, I'm lengthening my lifespan and dementia and preventing all these things. And I was hired because I spoke languages. And then that also was like a real plus for me because, again, what happened to me when I was in college, somebody told me, only 5% of people ever succeed with fluency. And the minute I heard that, I was like, oh, well, now I'm going to have to become fluent. (laughs) I was like, challenge accepted. So off I went and moved abroad like twice to try and, you know, get fluent. So I'm like, don't give me a challenge, please. (laughs) Um, So then, yeah, I left. I did the corporate for a few years and I just slowly was like, a caged bird I actually went back in last October to meet my colleagues and present all of my work and they were all like oh my god like they were still doing the same thing from five years ago and like I literally had done so much 
and one of them came up and they were like, you were like a caged bird, you know? Um, mm. Mm. And for me, I just used to look at people on screens like 40 hours a week and I was like, what? This isn't like not normal at all. Um, but people are like, I think that's the things with humans. We just accustomed to environment and we don't question. We just follow along. But I knew it was wrong, like, you know. Mm. And then I mm. left. And um, I just said to my boss, look, I'm going to work with the turtles in Mexico. And he was like, I knew you'd say something like that. <laughs> so off I went to Mexico to the turtles. Oh, it was such a release. And all my colleagues were like feeling like, you know, they were like, what? Where are you going? They thought I was going to another company. I was like, no, I'm going to Mexico. So it was great. And like my adventures were just bountiful and wholesome and scary. Nearly died a few times, but it was amazing. And I did what I loved and I got to work with loads of species. And yeah, and I had like back problems when I worked in the computer and stuff. And my physio said to me, she's like, oh, I bet you any money when you leave, these problems will go. Mm. My back was fine. It do, It would, if I had high stress, which hasn't happened in a long time, it might flare. It's just an old thing. But yeah, since the, and it's mad because our bodies will tell us, like I actually ended up when I was in that chair, getting um my lower discs ended up like flaring and I actually could not sit on a chair. And this went on for like four or five weeks. Yeah. And I had to tell my boss, I was like, I can't sit on a chair. And I had to like lie on the ground at home, but like your body is eventually going to say like, I can't do this, you know? Yeah. And I was like, there's my sign. Um, and it wasn't a nice time at all. You know, it was very challenging. And because my physical, being physical for me is like just so important, you know? So yeah, the transition. And then I came home and I just used to sit with the chickens every day and I was like, give me inspiration, please. <laughs> and yeah, just came back to the, the growing and the chickens and the natural life and just kept taking inspiration from like being in solitude, like, you know, because you're in a really relaxed state and you can actually get stuff in, you know? Yeah. And I'm more receptive and, like the ability to listen, yeah, it it is, is heightened, you know. And I initially was listen to the alarm bells going off in your body and the amazing intelligence that moves through um, our cells and our DNA, and yeah. like get the hell out of a place that's uh, your body is just sending alarm bells to you know it's uh, it's time to move and. Mm. and the um, I'm big on grounding and um, just getting the skin on the earth and I sleep grounded as well of grounding mat and uh, bed sheet because it just brings your body down and allows you to to feel and to to listen to the messages you know that are coming and <clears throat> 
And like the more you listen to life, life is always, always 100% talking to us and sending us messages and inspirations and all that kind of stuff. If we can just take a moment to, to pause and to breathe and to sit and to be still and listen to the intelligence moving and what it's trying to share with us and uh, where it's trying to guide us, that there is... Um, you know, we'll always find where we're meant to be. We'll always find where we're meant to be and what we're meant to be doing. And, you know, that's um, what you experience is what I've experienced. And it's, um, the beauty of helping other people to, to ground back in and to kind of reconnect with that, um, is, is deeply fulfilling is deeply deeply fulfilling and um yeah yeah and it gets louder you know yeah like you are you know immediately like no absolutely mm-hmm. no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even like you know things become more apparent like your body senses more what it needs and more what needs to come into balance like I was finding from living alone I was like okay like something's off like when I would eat my meals and when I would grow food and I would have such an abundance of food and I was like this needs to change like I can't do this alone like this is going totally against you know Mm -hmm. the mind the body everything even our ancient brain and then in the last year or two now like people are coming in and they're helping like do the seeds with me and harvest the veg with me and share the meal with me and I'm like yeah that's what it's supposed to feel like because I had a moment where I was like bending down on my knees crawling along great for grounding (laughs) feeling good in that sense but I was doing all the strawberries and prepping the beds and I was like something's off like something is off and I just knelt on the ground and I looked up and all the elm trees had started flowering. It was like literally the start of spring. And I didn't even see the flowers. I literally looked up and I was like, oh, my God. And it's such a moment. And it was like, no, like you're not meant to do this on your own, you know. And the mm-hmm. light, the load has lightened so much and people love it. And like I've just now appreciated so much sharing meals. Like anytime I share a meal now, I'm just like, like, thank you. Because like we're not meant to eat alone, you know. That's what mm. I figured out in myself. <laughs> but I know I have parents who are moms and they're like, oh, Jesus, I'd love a meal on my own. <laughs> I'm like, well, you have 50,000 of them. You want to share it then, you know? It's mad, you know? Mm. Yeah. But it's like we can keep fine tuning, I think, you know? Yeah, I think refinement is... Uh... They we're constantly refining, you know, whether, whether it's our practices or our awareness, ourselves, our, our, uh, our senses, our, our intuition, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that I'm, I'm really becoming a lot more appreciative of and and lean a lot more towards is 
that sense of, of re refined quality and, what, and it might be whatever but refined quality in in connections and friendships and um in possessions and what i own and um in in thoughts in in feelings and really noticing the nuance of of certain emotions and um and certain experiences and, and really savoring everything and i i was writing a post uh for my newsletter and um is around tobacco and cigars and lessons i've learned from kind of contemplating it but the ma maxim of the more you savor life the more life will give you to savor so if you <laughs> whatever it might be it might be a sunset or a meal or uh time spent with a friend or an activity the more you really truly allow yourself to enjoy it and be grateful for it it it's almost like a permission slip for life to be like oh, okay this person uh really savors what's happening so i'm just giving going to give them more i'm just going to give them more 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 and it's completely changed my quality of of uh quality of conversations quality of uh friendships connections uh experiences all that kind of stuff um when you really really allow yourself to um to appreciate that value and and that you know refine that really really refine that that awareness and that appreciation and slowing down isn't it mm. yeah i had a major like like I've like I'm in a deep connection with the sunflower and they opened last week and I'd been watching them like slowly for I'd say about six days they were starting and I was like oh my god it's like getting so heightened like every day I'm checking I'm like are you are you like are you ready and I literally like I nearly like was like about to peep and I was like don't touch it because actually what I read is like if you ever open up a flower before like it weakens it you know it needs to do it itself to be strong um and um they finally opened like at the weekend and i actually like it happens every year i just start bawling crying you know <laughs> i'm just like oh my god like it's just a moment to behold and yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is, but, and then now, like, the first one opened, I sat, like, 25 of them, and I, like, maybe four are opened, the rest are coming along. They're, like, bigger than me, like, and they're just amazing tower structures of sun, and, like, every day, like, so when the flower opened, the outer rim has, like, what are they kind of called? I guess they're, like, where the pollen is held, like, little petal bits, but now every day, like inner, 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 it's opening and more and more and more. And it's like watching that every day. It's just phenomenal. And um, then like, you know, I was saying earlier, like I sat like a meadow and then I sat like European 
bee flowers away from the meadow because I want to see what native so I did like native perennials together and then I did Europeans that you know that are really bee friendly and like all the like two marigolds opened this morning but yesterday they were like ready and I was like oh I know you're going to open overnight and then when I got there this morning they were open and I was like what a gift you know yeah it's such Mm -hmm. a gift to be with plants and flowers like to watch it and like we need that like mirror you know Mm. in the concrete we don't see the beauty you know Mm. yeah yeah it's a totally different pace and vibrancy and uh you know soul of of life and um it's the same with with butterflies um when when they're hatching out of their cocoon um if if you help them like if you open up the cocoon they don't have the wing strength to fly so they won't survive so it's the, and I love that analogy of entering into the cocoon and dissolving and mm-hmm. becoming something else, becoming, you know, adopting a new identity, a new um, belief or a new way of being in the world. And that's difficult in itself and letting go of the old and, um, allowing yourself to dissolve and compost and then become something new but then also the challenge of emerging and breaking out of that mold and breaking out of the the shell and the cocoon and the challenges within that yes they contribute to to the strength um of of uh of who you are your new way of being in the world mm. and so it's you know it's like that how much do we do we help others or do we challenge others do we you know do we simply just hold them and allow them to to go through what they're going through I know and and, uh, you know just just be there um yeah, it's it's been a an incredible learning process and in, in going through that process myself and 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 being able to support and, and hold other people going through that process as well. Um but there like there's so many uh just lessons and insights to be picked up along the way when you start to reconnect back in with nature. Um because we are nature and we'll always find what we need um, if we just spend enough time and we just listen. Uh, you know, it's, it's incredible. And what I love as well is that like nothing is actually fast, you know, and that's like where the appreciation comes in. Like there's one shrub. I don't know, were you there last year when it was flowering the Philadelphus? but it's a favorite of mine. Like the smell infuses the whole place, but it flowered for like three weeks, maybe up to like three and a half every year. And the minute I see the buds coming, I'm like, Oh my God, it's coming. 
And then when it actually comes in flowers, like everybody that comes for a workshop sitting in the garden is like, what's that smell? And then I take them up and I, everybody stick their head in the bush. Everybody sticks their head and they're all giggling, like thinking, I'm like, come on, like it's normal. Um, and, and when it's there flowering, like I have a ritual, then every morning I will go and inhale and every evening before bed, I go and inhale and I inhale it and then it goes and literally the last flower was there like a month ago and I was like the grief you know I was just like oh my god you know but the grief was there and I was like feeling the sadness and I was like that's okay and then like next thing I drive to the beach and I'm like oh my god there's meadow sweet like like all these other things start flowering and you see everything else there and you're like oh wow there's the rose there's the marigold there's the you know it's like I think in summer nature doesn't give us a lot of time for grief because it's like bombarding us with beauty you know it's just like more for you and more and here's the elder and now the elder is gone and I'm like oh and then the next thing and then it's like bam 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 whereas in winter you can really just stop and be like okay everything's gone <laughs> you know um <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like the grief process is fast. It's like overnight, like the flower is gone overnight, and then the next flower is open, and you're like, "Oh wow, next flower!" And like, it's very quick. The yeah, and that's you know, it's something uh, Western culture and society, and as um, you know, it very much keeps it at an arm's length and doesn't allow. Uh, quote unquote time even though you said it is it is very quick when you allow yourself to go into it and through it fully yeah um it can be very very clean and very real and raw and vulnerable um but it can be very smooth and and quick as you said um a lot of the the resistance and fear of kind of being seen in that state or um you know being being seen as as weak or whatever you know, all this kind of baggage we have around it, um, it that just creates resistance to actually going into the into the grief process and grieving something and uh feeling that deeply and then just allowing it to pass through. And you realize that oh, there's so much more um around outside to be appreciative of and you know you um it does bring that deep sense of appreciation uh for whatever has passed you know and that deep sense of, of gratitude for whatever has passed for the time spent with it and the memories uh spent with it so we've you know we've, we've a distaste towards towards winter and you know most people book summer holidays in winter and get go to spain or portugal or whatever and <clears throat> but it's been quite the opposite for me in the last five or six years of really, really going into winter and really um, allowing myself to to go fully into the depths of that that dark time of year. And there's been a lot of letting go, a lot of shedding and a lot of um, bereavement and, and grief of, of people um, of both people and both versions of, of myself um, in my life over the last number of years. But 
because I've allowed myself to embrace all of that, it's it has been a very, very clean process for me. And now I'm starting to come into more spring and summer and uh, seeing the, the beauty and the vibrancy and, and the life um, emerging and coming back and, and feeling that within myself uh, returning. <clears throat> and I think, you know, kind of looping it back to to the start, that's my kind of in, intuition of why you have so many heart um, or heart diseases are so prevalent, why heart attacks are so prevalent, why heart surgeries are so prevalent, because we've lost that ability to to feel and and process those emotions fully. We might dip into it and oh, it's uncomfortable and come back out. But if you can allow yourself to and just go and go through it, then it, it you know this is this is um, this is that peace with it all. Um, I've, I'm finding and I'm discovering and. Um, And uh, learning to to move through that because it's not easy. It's certainly not easy at times or when you start. And but uh, it uh, it is it is beautiful, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and I think like an even bigger picture around it, like you know, the resistant to it, the resistance to it, and grief and letting go it's like it's actually like I think a bigger picture of like facing death like mm -hmm. are you comfortable knowing that you're going to be going at some point and everybody else is and these flowers are and all of it is like going to go and it's like this resistance of like oh I can't go into it because maybe I'll actually have to face what is really happening on the planet which is a constant dying off and the composting and it's like this resistance to you know, opening up the heart and really realizing what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. You're familiar with the the Irish spirit wheel, medicine wheel. Native Americans have it as well, the Native American medicine wheel. And yeah, I think so. I think I yeah. know. It's it's an overlay. It's it's a tool for um grounding ourselves into these phases. Of, of life and um you know springtime is is equivalent to, to youth and and new life and birth and then summer is life in its fullest and uh kind of the harvest and autumn then is that old age eldership letting go and transformation and then winter is is that death that um that final you know letting go and and surrender and we're and we're always moving through this obviously through nature is is moving through the cycle of life death rebirth and um but we are too and sometimes we can have seasons of or years of one season or we might move through it in a day and or a week or a month 
but we're talking about kind of that kind of resistance sometimes if you're going into say a death process um that resistance can keep you there longer than than necessary than needed so it's our 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 kind of willingness our openness our kind of non-resistance to life to what's moving um in our lives what what season we're in that allows the cycle to move freely uh and to as the the great wheel turns uh move season to season um and that's um you know there's a there's a story there's an old irish myth the settling of the manor of tara that um shares how Ireland was initially um, orientated with this um, with this wheel. You know, we have the four provinces of um, Ulster in the north, Leinster in the east, Munster in the south, and Connacht in the west. And there's the fifth Mead in the middle. That each of these provinces represents a direction in that in that wheel. Um, so just as even like the land is orientated to that cycle, that wheel, we are as well um, within ourselves. And that can be a really powerful tool for contemplation and meditation and grounding to, to begin working with that, as we we're talking about, to begin working with nature and observing and observing her in all her seasons and cycles. And, you know, whether that's simply a, tree or a plant or an animal or place or location um where you you observe it as it moves through the season but then you also observe what's happening within you you know how how are you as you move through autumn you know what what happens within as you move through autumn what happens as you move through winter spring summer you know do you have resistance towards one do you love one more than the other do you um you know, whatever, whatever happens, whatever moves through you, are you, are you conscious of it? Are you aware of it? And the, the lessons we can can uh, extrapolate from that are 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 immense. Mm. Yeah, and like I'm just thinking there when you're talking about the cycle, just so clearly of like the death and the rebirth and the resistance and like you know, say a lot of people on the planet are resisting this natural process and choosing to just drown in TV or shop or numb out. And it's like they never get the chance to bloom because if you don't go into the death, you know, like you see people in depression for years, like what is going on, you know? are like in your opinion are they just stuck in the death process or just resisting it or the cycle just can't move through is it yeah it's an interesting one um whether they're you know kind of moving through it or 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 stuck can't move out of it is i i can certainly think back in times in my life where um there's just this this sense of heaviness the sense of kind of burden and 
um, and not knowing what to do or how to move through it and, you know, or, or what was happening. Um, it was definitely a time of, of introspection, of contemplation, of, of my body needing to slow down and be still and be present with my body. And as you said, not numbing or not distracting, even though, you know, you're slowing down when you're watching TV or whatever, you're not truly, truly present with yourself and what's, what's happening, you know? Um, so there might definitely be that, that, uh, that resistance towards, I said, feeling and, um, acknowledging what's happening in, in your life, um, or in the world, you know, some people are very, very sensitive to what's happening just in the world in general and can feel overwhelmed by that. Um, but yeah, it's when, when your, your kind of inner sight starts to awaken and you start to see what's happening in the world and the disasters and the, um, the disconnect and the, um, the eruption and the disease and all of that, that can be a very, very frightening process. It can be a very lonely time. Uh, and you might feel it, um, feel like nobody else is, is seeing that, but to, And acknowledge what what you are seeing, and acknowledge what you are feeling and sensing, and trust that trust in life, trust that the people you need, you'll meet, and the the people will come uh, at the right time. The opportunities will come at the right time to uh, to support you moving through whatever whatever you are moving through. Um, <clears throat> and yeah yeah and hopefully that's the resources you're working with is really grounded in in nature and that holistic view and um that uh in truth in truth and integrity and um in in that beauty and appreciation for life um rather than the opposite end of 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 that you know the the other side of that yeah definitely um and it's like it's like that mirror of nature always of like um like i always ask like how can i mirror your qualities and it's like how far have the human species gone from that you know and like you look at, I'm constantly watching other animals and like how they operate. And I spend like, there's some horses nearby and they're like totally wild. And I go in and I just stand in the middle of them and they're going bonkers. Like, and I'm just standing there. Like, I totally trust you. But then sometimes I'm like, oh my God, there's a lake. <laughs> but like when I spend time with them, like, oh my God, the inspiration 
like their eyes, their trust, their power, their docility, like docility. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, their silence in their power is like immense, you know, their qua their qualities like exude nature, you know. And then you go to the shop and you're like, uh, what's wrong with humans? Like, what are we doing? You know? And that makes me sad, you know. Mm. But then all I can do is like take on board the qualities and you know, reflect it out, because then what does the universe do? It just will multiply back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think the I know myself I went through it like the initial tendency of trying to fix the world, you know, or going out to <laughs> and uh it's you know it's uh come back to Come back to your your front garden, you know. Come back to um, your body and your own health first, you know, and your own living space and your own environment, your immediate environment, and take care of that. Look after that. Regenerate that first. Regenerate your your vitality and your um, your life force and your energy and. Um, your appreciation for beauty and your sense of beauty and goodness and, and truth and, you know, fan the flames of your own heart again and reawaken that. Mm. And, you know, no matter how painful that can be when you do look out into the world is to like keep fanning that flame and then begin to extend that out in small increments you know into into your family into your community into the people you interact with day to day um and then you know the tendency or the knock-on effect of social media and being so interconnected is that the world has become so small that we feel that we've to you know impact people in america or in australia or middle east or south america or all that kind of stuff and you're just like just bring it back down down for size, you know, and back down into your your uh your front and back garden and um and come to know what's there, you know, learn about the plants, learn about the animals, learn about um the you know, whether you're living by sacred sites and stuff like that, come to come to know them and, and be with them and sit with them and um you come to know your community and your family and focus there and then it starts to create ripple ripple out from there um yeah, hmm. yeah. um would you have any kind of uh bit of advice say if anybody's listening and they're like in the death portal <laughs> uh, it's like people go trust the process and you're like oh <laughs> process is never ending <laughs> you got any little bit of wisdom to share mm -hmm. 
Um, befriend it. Befriend it. Um, yeah, I think that would be it. You know, befriend it and, and feel it. Um, I think we can... We've created... Um, such a quote-unquote monster out of it out of out of death and uh dying and end of life but also as as a as an emotional transformational process um that as i said we can meet that resistance and and that suffering you know um Whereas it can be a very, very beautiful uh, time of healing and transformation and 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 shedding and letting go. Um, so I think it would be that. It would be befriend death, uh, befriend your own death, um, and understand that it's really there as a, as a teacher and as a guide and i think if you if you kind of live with it on your shoulder knowing that one day you know you're going to be looking back on your life and and contemplating it um if you're ever stuck in a kind of quandary or a decision or you know a big life choice or um or whatnot and wondering what to do next you can ask, ask your, ask your death, ask, you know, ask your person, that future self of, you know, if, what would you do? What would you do? Um, as I think it's only when you come to terms with that aspect of your, your immortality, that life really begins to happen and, take flame and ignite um because you do realize that oh we're only here for a short time you know we're only here for a very very short time and um maybe my fear of death is really a fear of life you know um so i think yeah befriending befriending both uh death and life Um, and if is there somewhere they could sign up to your newsletter or who's that who does that reach or if people yeah. find more yeah. uh, I've website and social media um it's just Cahill O'Neill um blog and newsletter that I share share writing and uh write a bit and share it up there and haven't been active on social media over the last six or eight months um just took a big step back from that and um as i said just to allow space and time for myself to go through um my own uh death process and that and and it's uh been very very fruitful and tough and challenging but um it's uh yeah in a really good place uh, right now but cahoneal.com is a website and blog and 
um, find all my offerings there and uh, Cahill Neil on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And would you like to add anything else? No, just thanks, Kate. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, and um, I really admire what you're doing and your work with the bees and your passion for them and the message you're sharing. And so, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. And so, folks, if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a share. It might help somebody. And patrons, thank you so much for supporting every month. And if you can contribute to my bee mission, please go on to patreon.com slash catch And I'll chat to you all soon. So.